Man, my experience, my experience was was blissful planning our wedding. Me and Shannon only had two huge fights, and it was over the guest list because I wanted friends because I don't have a lot of relatives that I thought would be able to make it, and over yeah. whether or not I could have one Me Without You song. <laughs> and uh, I won, and she said, no one will <laughs> like it, everyone will hate it, and no one's going to dance because it's not a song you can dance to. And I said, hey, hey. Hey, everything else is yours. Hey, everything else is yours. Your family. I want some friends, and I want to me without you. Sure enough, the second the song came on, dance floor emptied. Emptied. Like, it was <laughs> Everyone used it as the excuse to go to the bathroom, except for me and Luke. We walked out there, and we danced, and it was at that moment I realized I married the wrong person. I should have married Luke. I, I just had to wait 10 more years, and it could have been us. It could have been us. So now I have and to I settle can't... for a cheap-ass podcast. <laughs> That's why we have such a good r- rapport. This is actually our rep- it's repressed <laughs> sexual tension. This is, <laughs> this is our honeymoon. <laughs> now I get it. Now I get it, guys. Wow, that sheds new light in episode three. It was really gay, fellas. Really gay. Yeah, there, well, there goes any chance of our EWTN sponsorship right now. <laughs> oh, out the dough. I mean, did you guys really have a chance anyway? No. I gave them my card, and I haven't heard back. <laughs> Still trying to figure yeah, out they, why. They listen to some episodes. They're like, no, I'm yeah. like, absolutely not. <laughs> So you're saying there's a chance. (laughs) (laughs) Like, where else are you going to go? Come on, be honest. You don't need them. How's that millennial demographic working out for you, WTN? (laughs) It's time. It's time. (laughs) (laughs) That's why I like you guys. That's why I like you guys. They bought church pop or whatever. Ooh. That's them. Yeah, that's cool. I'm, the I'm website church pop. They've got bright colors and they they have list and stuff. Church pop. <laughs> yeah, they're like is, a is uh, a nice pop? version of Eye of the Tiber and BuzzFeed all rolled into one. Oh, gotcha, 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 gotcha. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. yeah, they're doing good. <laughs> stuff. Yeah. I'm I'm just yeah. gonna assume that we know at least one person there, so I don't want to say anything bad because I'm exhausted from having to d- defend. <laughs> Why do you have to answer for the flagrant things you say on this show, huh? <laughs> I am so tired. I was talking to someone. I was talking to someone and they were like, show them your downloads. <laughs> oh, you hate me? How many downloads you got? I got 6,000. Oh, oh, you got 45,000? Okay, never mind. I apologize. Oh, okay, never mind. Yeah. <laughs> You're right. <laughs> Maybe afterwards, can we get some coffee and you give me some pointers? <laughs> Man, that digressed real fast. <laughs> I am, I'm I am all alone. apologies right now. All apologies. <laughs> uh, oh gosh. Yeah. So it, it's been fun. So, so are are you guys feeling the crunch of the wedding stuff, or just a couple of hiccups? It's just a couple. Honestly, it's it's great and it's fine and it's been a great process and. You know, going where I was in the same place because I'm in the same place because I don't have a ton of family. So, you know, like all my guest list was like all these friends. Well, certainly you're not going to invite your great uncle. (laughs) He's not coming. Who cursed you to your grave. 
<laughs> he he died. But you know, like oh it's just shit, like, I didn't realize that. I apologize. <laughs> it's okay. It's okay. I didn't know. I just knew that he cursed me, so it's all good. Um, <laughs> I. So, sometimes the phrase let's talk about that in the last one yeah yeah sometimes yeah. the phrase okay, gonna, it's all good just doesn't work <laughs> yeah. we're gonna bring up all of your personal stuff here again just so you're aware yeah. so you know yeah. i'm cool i'm cool if i start crying just do me a favor and edit it out you know just 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 snip it i'll just snip it and add the sounds of little children cheering <laughs> yay <laughs> Perfect. Um, no, but I'm in the same spot, you know, like I don't have a ton of family. Um, and uh, so I have a ton of friends and I, you know, like I, I'm well, acquaintances, more, acquaintances, let's call them acquaintances. Well, <laughs> you're, you're kind of right. But I just, there are people who I'm like, who I would like to see there. So like I can mm-hmm. turn around like, oh yeah, that guy. I like that guy. <laughs> I remember him I from that Life King conference. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> I'm so glad that he's here now and drinking my alcohol that i paid a lot of money for Uh (laughs) well there is like i did have this thought at my wedding because i've been all over the place in terms of like where i've lived over the past 10 years and it was so cool to see people from the different parts of my life in one room yeah yeah yeah. you know that that like honestly really is kind of a special thing where it's like wow there's like i mean honestly i had like um because like i've been i mean it was all pretty much out west but like kind of all over the place and they were all in one place for one yeah. thing, you know, and it's yeah. kind of cool to say that cause it's about like, it's almost uh, in this, in this like kind of like weird way. It's about the end of everything that's come before that until right. to the point in time. And then these people who have like helped you become who you are, even some in like very small ways to right. then start this like new thing, you know? Yeah, absolutely. So. Absolutely. No, I, I'm with you, man. I'm with you. I, I really do look forward to, all the random sections of my life who've made me into who I am colliding together. I've told, you know, Mallory, all these stories, but all these people. And so it'd be cool to heck have all mm-hmm. these people there. And, you know, as we're walking around and doing the, you know, bride and groom thing and just like, Hey, this is that guy that I told you about. This is, the, you know, that'd be cool. I, I, I actually really look forward to that. I'm, I'm excited. I really am. Like I'm, we're, we're, we've had, you know, we've actually had like a pretty smooth ride so far. And, um, the family has been super great. And we, um, we ain't we ain't that stressed really. We ain't really good. that stressed. Sweet. Yeah. Well that's good to hear, yeah. I guess. I mean it doesn't make <laughs> for exciting wanted, radio, you, but whatever. Uh, yeah, I know you wanted some drama, but I'm, <laughs> I'm you know, there's drama to come, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. <laughs> like, you're talking about the you're talking about the honeymoon night, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Drama is here to stay because that's what I name my penis. <laughs> All right, then I took it too far. Did I take it too far, Luke? Nah, no, 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 no. This is standard. No. No. I was just talking to Shannon today uh, about how excited I am for this because the whole time I'm just thinking of like wildly inappropriate sex stuff and uh, <laughs> like, like, and I don't know why. Like, I, but it was just because you're like, you know, all this planning for this crazy wedding stuff is just driving me nuts or whatever. And I was like, oh, man, I have so many sex jokes I want to say about newlywed <laughs> Catholic virgins and all of the things. And, you know, because it's an exciting time in, me, in a young man's life. It is. It is an exciting time in a young man's life. <laughs> <laughs> so, so many reasons. So many reasons. 
the coming of age story starring Ike and Dolo. Yeah, yeah. Let me tell you, kids. Mm. This podcast, my future kids. Well, let's just get into it. So I'm like, talk to them about the birds and the bees because yeesh. Yeah. <laughs> now we we'll do that in episode seven. They just have to go back through our okay, back perfect. catalog. Yeah, and we'll, we'll do that okay, for you. Because me and Luke, me and Luke are going to keep doing this until we're like ninety, and we're going to keep doing young adult ministry. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it'll never stop. And by like that point in time, everyone's just gonna have like the same STD, pretty much. So you know, yeah. it'll just be it kind of fine. evens out. Yeah, it'll be yeah. fine. It'll be fine. You just kind of learn to live with it. It's like original sin. Like, yeah, I was just born with this, and so like whatever, you yeah. just kind of live with. It. Maybe it's that was gross. gross. That was gross. That was gross. <laughs> Guys, we should totally change the topic. (laughs) Wait, I got one more thing to say. I was a young adult in 2040. Therefore, I was born with crabs. You just kind of have it. Everyone does. (laughs) And and we've just all like, you know, we've all like learned to just, you know, pee while it burns. It's it's, it's fine. Oh, my goodness. (laughs) I could keep going, but I'm. (laughs) No, 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 please do. I'm like, no, 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 no. I got a few more things to say. <laughs> Man, I'm gonna have to edit so much of this out tonight. <laughs> I, I'm sweating this uh, cold out right now. So let me just kind of go for it. <laughs> let me just go for it. Hey, Ike, um, are you gonna be at um, uh, Encounter Houston at the on September 29th to October 1st? Just wondering, just totally randomly I, wondering. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I'm um, I'm gonna be there. And uh, I'm going to be playing, um, you know, just a few songs. And I was there last year. It's probably one of the best weekends I've ever had ever um, doing a ministry thing. And um, as you might know, Andy Hickman's one of my best friends. And um, and uh, it was um, it was a privilege just to be there. And this year, I'm equally excited because we don't have to go too far from Houston. And it's going to be freaking badass. So if you're young at all, I really hope that you can be there because it's going to be cool. And I'll be playing some music, but not leading worship, which is a cool thing for me because sometimes I just, you know, I play on Friday and then I just kind of hang out the whole rest of the weekend. And um, I'm going to be playing a few new songs for my new record. So, yeah. The new one that you just did the the pledge support for? Yeah, I was still doing the pledge support. And, um, you know, if anybody has some pledges they want to send in so I can make the ding-dang record, your video is hilarious, but I just before we go on to that because that's cool, uh, and we we plugged that on our Catching Foxes page, um, the the hilarious video that you made for it. But uh, so we are doing a deal with uh, with Encounter as well, my friend, and we nice. are gonna, Catching Foxes is going to be there on Friday night. Me and Luke nice. together, the dynamic nice. duo. Yeah, and so we're going to be able to be there, and we're going to do. Um, we're going to do interviews with different musical acts and, and speakers and stuff like that. But the main thing is we're really coming there to support young adults backslash drink. So, <laughs> you know, it's, yeah, you know? I know we're both going to be there. Just us. So, you know, yeah, my wife, <laughs> my wife and kids are going to be in San Antonio, ironically enough, where you are. And uh, yeah. I'm going to be there alone with my Luke. And uh, they yeah. said uh, they they asked us if we would come and and do some stuff on Friday night as well. So we're gonna do it, and it's gonna be a lot, it's gonna be a well, blast. Yeah. So nice. if any of you people want to see me and Luke and and maybe Ike as well, then uh, 
Join us on September 29th, October 1st. Get the weekend pass. Kick back at a sweet hotel that has a lazy river in the shape of Texas. Because Texas. Because Texas. Because Texas. And that is how you insert an ad into an interview. (laughs) (laughs) That is how you insert an ad. Emily Blaisdell, I want my free hotel room now. (laughs) (laughs) And that is how you lose advertising money. (laughs) Damn it, we are not good at this. Why do people donate? Why do people donate on Patreon? Mm. <laughs> Why do people please continue to donate on Patreon? Two dollars a month can help us quit our jobs. Um, uh, what are we talking about here? So we didn't we didn't really have much to talk about because not a lot's happened in our country. Not a lot's no, happened in our country, no, guys. Nothing huge or major, you know, ter- terrifying or sad and uh, disappointing and confusing and nope. heartbreaking. Just the same old, same old, and that's same old, real. same old kind of the problem right isn't that kind of the problem yeah it is kind of the problem it is kind of the problem we have a lot of problems and it's you know like um it's just it's hard it's hard to know where to even begin really um you know for for me personally uh i remember on friday seeing you know images because facebook is where i like you know facebook is where i kind of reluctantly reside and like post some stuff and but twitter is where i let my hair down that and Mm -hmm. that's where i get wild and and i end up but twitter on friday i was looking at images of you know all these white dudes in polo shirts with tiki torches talking about you know you won't replace us and i i was just uh i was kind of stunned by the whole thing no i'm sorry not stunned it was just i don't know how to describe the feeling that you feel when you're like, yeah, this is just kind of business as usual, but whatever, just, you know, another day. But at the same time, you're like, what the heck? And the next day, um, sitting down and I, I remember I was watching everything with, you know, my fiance and, um, just being just absolutely heartbroken, heartbroken, you know? Um, um, we, we have, we have a problem, but I love the reactions for some people. And it's like, what? No, this is so crazy. Who mm-hmm. would have thunk? I'm like, really? No, like you. This is you didn't know. <laughs> you know, like, yeah. and it's um, yeah. I I don't know. Um, so did you? I, I think. Well, how did you first? Lost. How did you first find out about it? Like the especially on Saturday. What were you, was it? Twitter on Saturday or? Yeah, it was Twitter on Saturday. I just went and checked the feed, and I didn't know that it was going to – I didn't know that it was, like, all weekend long. You know, like, I'd heard about, you know, the um, you know the protests against, you know, the removal of the statue and all that stuff. But I didn't know it was going to be all weekend long. And then I remember, you know, I was they turned on the TV, and um, there – well, you know, there was just, you know, all these protests. and um, and it, But it was Twitter, actually. It was Twitter first that I saw it happening, and then, and then that's when I turned on the TV. Um, and it was after um, uh, the young lady, yeah, Heather Heyer, had it already. Well, it was after the, the car had already plowed through a group of counter protesters. Yeah. Um, and then that's when I turned on the TV, and um, yeah, just uh, was just yeah, heartbroken. Um, that's crazy. Yeah, for me, I was um, I ha- I was on a retreat all weekend, uh, or I shouldn't say all weekend. Thursday and Friday, I was in Fort Worth. Uh, one of our listeners is 
got me a gig giving a talk at a youth ministry event. Uh, thank you, Jason. And yeah. uh, and it was it was a, a wonderful time. But we were, you know, like all retreats, kind of out in the middle of nowhere. And I wasn't on Twitter that much. And so on Saturday, I had to drive home from Fort Worth. It was about five and a half hours with traffic. And it was like nonstop. And so I get home. And then the next morning, I had to do um, an all-day staff retreat or small group retreat at Prince of Peace, a local church here. And as I'm at that church, after I gave my first talk, I open up Twitter. I'm scrolling through. And then I read about the car, and I read about – I saw the video of the car going in, you know, like someone with their iPhone made, and, and then right. reversing out. And I was like, what the hell? Someone drove a car into – like, did they drive it into the protesters? And I was – you know, you're, you're like a dumbass now. You know, looking back, you're like, oh, now I know what happened. But I was trying to figure it out. And then I read about the what I call the Tiki Torch Parade, right, this, this yeah, whole thing yeah. with these guys. And it was that – that that like broke my heart and then when you found yeah. out about the woman dying and the, even right. the police officer crash helicopter crash and like everything right. that just oh, so yeah, yeah. just the pure chaos and then the violence going on and the fights breaking out and everything happening you're just like holy shit i should have been listening because that was the yeah. first thought that ran through my head mm-hmm. was you know, people have been telling me that it is this bad, and I really didn't want to believe it was this bad. I mean, that was my, yeah. as my honest-to-goodness reaction was, holy shit. I mean, I know, everyone knows, anyone who's ever watched Law & Order knows that <laughs> white supremacist groups exist and, and all this <laughs> stuff, right? There's always a right. Law & Order racist episode, right? They always have that. Right. But, um, right. but to see it happen... To see it happen in the name, like, in, in just, everything about it was weird and wrong, and, and but it, it felt like an amped up, this is the thing that made me scared, was it felt like an amped up Trump rally. Like, oh, I, absolutely. And I don't, I don't say that, because I know a shit ton of people who voted for Trump who would never in a million years do anything associated with this, but to me, it doesn't matter. And so what I, yeah. my feelings are... It's not that I'm lumping people who voted for Trump in with these people, but the thing is, Trump enables this by his rhetoric, by the way he acts. I mean, every I mean, we saw you can draw a continuous line from the awkward comment that he made about police roughing up uh, people when you put them in their police. are like, yeah, but don't be too nice on them, you know, or whatever he said. Uh, A straight line from that all the way back to his primaries being like, beat them up and get them out of here, you know, like. Right. And and right. that rhetoric is emboldening, emboldening. Absolutely. And that's Absolutely. the thing that I, I honestly didn't realize. I thought everyone, like, listen, I understand that they're saying scary, like, alt-right stuff, and this alt-right thing is really weird and new, but I don't think it's as bad as people were saying. And then you see it marching, wearing a white polo and khaki pants, not working at the at – the, uh, Oh, what is it called? The nerd squad or whatever? The geek squad at Best Buy, right? The geek squad, yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> but th- this is like real shit who literally these people are like, you're taking my country from me. And there's a lot of – now, granted, 500 people don't represent the population of the United States. But damn it. Like, yeah. that's when I realized, like, I number one, I'm happy I didn't vote for Trump. Because, like, here's – I don't want to say this. I'll turn it over to you guys. George W. Bush, I voted for him in the first election, and then I have never voted for – a Republican or a Democrat in, in this later elections. 
And yeah. the reason why is I, as, as you are, I'm sure now to all of these issues that we've talked about the last time you were here and whatnot, um, I was to the anti-war movement. I got super active in the anti-war movement. And there's this thing that happens when you realize the deck is stacked so in favor of war that it's never going to yep. change despite what you do. And then you're just yep. like, well, damn, I feel hopeless. And then, but the one saving grace of W was the fact that he never, and he went out of his way not to dump the blame on all Muslims because he right. knew that if he did that, it would give permission to the fringe to go nuts on Muslims here at home. And now we're Absolutely. watching mosques get targeted. We're seeing, you know, at Texas A&M, someone, uh, mm-hmm. I think they put a bunch of bullet holes in a mosque or something. And uh, yeah. Marcel Lejeune, who's a friend of mine, he went and wrote a person, uh, like, wrote a letter, a public letter decrying it and then saying Catholics are standing with our Muslim brothers and sisters. And then you're just like, wait, where the hell is all this coming from? And that's, I mean, Trump is not a politician. He's a soundbite artist. He's, yeah. he's a reality TV star. And Absolutely. he knows how to manipulate the people around him to get what he wants. I don't think he wants a bunch of white people storming, you know, I don't think he gives a shit about Robert E. Lee, but I really do think he, he really does hesitate to denounce these people because they're like, oh, they're just misunderstood or they're angry or you Democrats failed them. But then you're like, oh, no, this is literally he's emboldening them. And I can't be a part of this at all. Yeah. And, you know, it was um, uh, it's been it's been, you know, interview after interview, even just the the, even just the words, you know, stay tuned. Um, We have a, you know, an announcement from our president. Donald Trump, like even those words to me, I like I it like invokes this thing where I just want to start crying and laughing at the same time. So that's just that's just, you know, like that's where I start. You know, mm-hmm. this this past his 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 last, you know, when he was whatever, giving it giving a, you know, um, a, a presser on on a, on infrastructure. And then the press decided to talk to him about Charlottesville. And the dude doubled down on very fine people on both sides. And it's like one of those things where I, 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 I watch that over and over again. And it's we've always you know, like I think for a lot of, you know, people of color in this country, especially, you know, especially, you know, black people, we've always kind of like, yeah, this country is racist, whatever. Um, we know that and we got to work against it. But to see that, like but even like a George W. Bush, like he absolutely would have been. You know, I wasn't. I'm not a fan of of him at all. But um, there is no way that he would have said the word, the, the things that that Trump said a couple of days ago. He yeah. would have just said, mm-hmm. "Hey, um, white supremacy is bad, and we condemn it." Because what happened is, you know, I don't care what you th- I don't care what you think. If you if you think that BLM is a terrorist movement or Antifa is a terrorist or whatever, whatever you want to say, those organization started in response to something they started because of something because there was oppression of pocs and people of color and black people black lives matter was born and and like the talking point for conservatives of all kind of is like well black lives matter is this and that they're communists or this. and it's like they like first of all you, you you know when you say like oh blm is bad it's like We love to do that. We take something that, like, if you just want to break it down, black lives matter. That's all it is. I got in a conversation with this guy on Twitter, and he was like, well, they're this and they're that. And I'm like, do you believe that black lives matter? That's it. 
like I don't I, like I don't I, there's is there a building with you know like Black Lives Matter on it and have the CEO of Black Lives Matter who's trying to you know whatever uh, he's you know hiring actors to like overthrow the government if mm-hmm. you know there are people who believe that shit but it's not real either way it was started in response to a thing you know like i've heard people compare black lives matter to the kkk i'm like are you out of your damn mind are you like have you ever opened a history book in your life how could you even compare these two things to one another like that doesn't make any sense like even the controversial black panther movement it wouldn't be a black panther movement if there wasn't Freaking KKK and Jim Crow and slavery, like those things were in response to people of color, black people losing their their rights as human beings, like and losing it, their just, lives, <laughs> losing their lives. Exactly, yeah. you know what I'm saying? Like, and and so, and you know, the the president's comments on on uh, on Charlottesville was, it's it's like heartbreaking because, dude, you had a woman who lost her life, lost her life, and your response is. There were very fine people on both sides. Why are we taking the statue, taking down the statue of Robert E. Lee? Are you out of your mind? Like, and comparing Robert E. Lee to George Washington? What? 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 Like, dude? Like, seriously? It's 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 mind blowing to me. And what? Oh, I'm sorry. Keep going. Then I'm going to ask you a question. No, no. I mean, um, it's just kind of mind blowing to me that. And and I think the the harder the harder thing for me is seeing like Christians, people who call themselves Christians. I mean, it's all it's almost like down the line they all have the same talking points. Well, do you you know like you know Donald Trump talks about taking down statues of George Washington. So now all on Facebook, that's all you see. Like, well, would you take? It's like, dude, are you guys? Is that real? Like, like because he said that. Now that's your talking point. You did know, you, like, did George hell? Washington have a standing army? That fought against the United States of America's government. No, like, yeah, exactly. Robert E. Lee was at at bare bones at minimum was a traitor to our country. He was a traitor. That like that. Let's just start there, and then, you know, like unpack the life and the mission of Robert E. Lee and the Confederate Army, and the Confederate and the Confederacy. Like, wh- like why? Why are we doing this? Why? Like, you know, and people get up in arms about a freaking statue. Go read a book. Go read a textbook. We'll we'll still talk about Robert E. Lee in textbooks because the kids need to learn what happened. But we don't need to put him on a pedestal. We don't need to put we don't need to put those people on a pedestal. We don't. We like there's no need. We don't. I in my hometown there's a whole elementary school called Robert E. Lee where like black kids go. They go to school to a to a, an elementary school that's that's that honors a Confederate general who would have loved to have seen black people remain enslaved to the rest of his days. They go to that school. I, yeah. That yeah. that's unreal. That's so that, that's like actually um that um hits on the question that I, I wanted to ask to ask um ask you, which you've kind of already unpacked it. It's just like what does it make you feel when like you cuz like as like a white dude 
I'm just, I am, I am starting to understand that I can't comprehend what this is like for African Americans. Like, I don't even, I I can't even start. So, like, when you, well, Luke, let me tell you what the black man (laughs) feels. And exactly, yeah. um, um, That's like what I see is like people tell me, like, I don't want to hear from you. I want to hear from like other people who are not you. Um, Anyways, like, (laughs) um, what does like like, what does it make you feel like? What's been your experience w- with that? Let's say like in the nineties when this isn't so hotly debated in the public sphere and you're having to, you know, go th- like be in a town where there's a, where they have, or they have like, or they have a, they have a statue of him or something. Yeah. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Absolutely. Okay. Yeah. You know, it's, um, cause you know, uh, I feel like I've been hearing a lot of people. It's like, well, you know, um, haven't you been noting, noticing the, the mounting t- racial tension in the country for the past 8, 10, 15 years? And um, this is not new. Like, let's just be clear with that. Mm-hmm. Um, this is not new for me, and it's not new for most black people. Uh, and if they're honest, if they look into the heart of hearts, most black people would say, um, no, this is not new. You know, from the t- you know, and from the time, and it's what, what a sad thing. What a sad thing. Can you imagine? Just start here with a kid growing up in a country and then realizing that everyone that looked like him at one point, not too long ago, not too long ago, were slaves. Can you imagine that? Because of, because of your skin color and, be, and because you were stolen from your country, anyone who looked like you, you were slaves. Can you imagine? Um, and uh, growing up as a, you know, as a kid in a small town in Missouri, which, you know, for me, uh, well, Missouri is a weird place and it's a very, it is, it has a very, it's a very weird racial tension. Um, and I, you know, I grew up in that and, uh, you know, I remember the first time when I, I knew that Lee elementary school was Robert E. Lee, the Confederate general. And, can you imagine what that does to a young black kid's psyche? A whole school that people attend, that black kids attend, Asian kids attend, whatever, that is <clears throat> that is uh, commemorating this general, this 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 dude who uh, who owned slaves and wanted to see black people enslaved until he, you know, what I'm saying like that. That is, it's, 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 I can't, you don't understand the, and that's like, that's like a big thing all the way to a little thing as a little Catholic kid already walking into a church where we were the only black family and you got white Jesus and white Mary and white saints all over the place. You don't feel like you belong. You don't feel like you have a place. This is what people, when you, you might hear the word microaggression, like you might hear that when people say, you know, like, you know, when you walk into a church and you don't feel like you belong because white Jesus is staring at you. He's like, well, what is that? I mean, like, and then it's like, well, just get past it, get past it. Like you get past it because you don't have to, you don't have to think about it. That's where, that's where white privilege comes in. You don't, you don't have to get over it, but you can look down and say, you need to get over that. You just need to get over it. You know, we're all God's children. You know, like people, religious people, you know, come at me all the time. It's like, dude, all lives matter. All lives matter. It's the, you know, like, it's like I can see it on their tongues. All lives, all lives matter. Like, do they? Because until black lives matter, until you can actually say that, then all lives clearly don't matter. So as a young kid growing up, 
you know, like you, you, you're assaulted with images, you're assaulted with all these things. And it's, it takes a psychological toll to the point where you either just kind of give in, which I've seen, or you fight back. And that's frustrating. You know, like my mom, we're not from this country. My, my parents are from Nigeria. <clears throat> you know, my, my parents are from a, Nigeria is a, you know, they're just filled with black people. You don't, you don't think about being, you know, the other. And then my mom came here and, you know, my, I, I honestly, I get my fire and my fight um, when it comes to these things from my mom. I, I mean, I remember walking to a gas station when we were little kids and uh, um, within like four minutes, you know, what are there five minutes that we pulled up pumping gas we're in our Sunday best because it's Sunday. We just left the. We just we're leaving a friend's house in Illinois, driving back to Missouri. Just left church. We're looking good, whatever. We pull up to start pumping gas, and within four minutes, a cop is there. And I'm a little kid. I'm probably like eight. You know, I don't really think much of it. <clears throat> and then we get in the car. My mom is fuming. We'd already pumped the gas. We'd already got our snacks, and we're about ready to roll. And my dad's like, you know, hey, Fidelia, leave it alone. And she's like, no. And she gets out of the car marches right into that gas station and starts yelling at this gas attendant and the cop. <laughs> like, I, know, you know, just saying, I know which, and I walked in, I went in with her because I'm like, I love, I loved it because it was great to see my mom mad at not me, you know? So I, um, <laughs> so I walk in, <clears throat> I walk in with her and I remember that was a defining moment, you know, just looking at my mom, this beautiful, sweet, seriously, my mom is an amazing human being. She's beautiful. She's holy. She's great. Um, but man, she's a, she's a pistol. She walks in and she's like, I know what you did. I know that as soon as you saw this, these black people, you called the cops, cops came and were like protecting you. And you know, here's the thing. Maybe that wasn't true. Maybe that cop was making that stop. Maybe, but as a black person in this country, you don't know. That's the thing you don't know. And you, you assume that it's not the case. And my mom went in with fire and she, went after these people and told them you have you you have you don't even know us we're a family you know and 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 yelled at these people and the cop tried to calm her down and whatever you know looking back mm -hmm. on it I was like man I was kind of risky but it was all good you know we walked out and it was fine um but you know as I look back at that situation you know like you never you 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 just you never know my mom wasn't going to stand for it anymore and I look at that example and that's me you know like that's always been me where you know it's how does it feel? It feels frustrating. You feel like a crazy person because when you talk about this stuff, especially is especially sometimes in religious circles, they're like, "Hey, man, you know, like we're all God's children. I don't see race." Blah 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 blah. Worst and thing you can so say. Then, the worst, and you're just sitting here thinking, "Am I crazy? Is it just me? Am I just crazy?" And and then you have to con continue to convince yourself, like, "No, I'm not out of my mind." I'm not crazy. These things are real. I've experienced this my whole life. And I'm not going to just sit back and like say a rosary and hope that it all goes away. That's not that. that sorry. Like, I'm not saying that prayer doesn't work, but you're not I'm just not going to sit back, you know, like mm -hmm. because you other people who say that to me have that luxury. Right. They can just sit back. It's like, I'm just going to pray about it. I'm just going to think about this. But for me, it's like, screw you, man. But the next police stop, I could be a hashtag. So screw you. I'm not going to I'm not going to sit back and just, you know, like passively say whatever. It's not my problem because it is. And that's the thing. It is my it is my burden. I, like it's it's black people's burden. Like we that that's that is because this country was founded on these principles of white supremacy. And I know I'm talking a lot, but, you know, this is this is like that is real. We you know, and uh, so, with mm -hmm. you know, guys with tiki torches 
you come in and say, you know, this is our culture. Like, what are you even talking about? You don't even belong here. You don't. You, you stole this land, and then you stole all the people from their land to build your land. It doesn't belong to you. In reality, it belongs to all of us, but we haven't figured that out yet. We haven't. Yeah. It's, you know, it's like I've, I mean, to be blunt, in the past like three years, I've done a pretty big 180 on a, a lot of this because I was that guy that was like, well, there's a context to this. There are like nuances. Like, it doesn't have to be so Luke, extreme. Luke, literally, mm-hmm. one of my things that I wanted to bring up today was I remembered yesterday how when we were talking on one of our earliest episodes, which was two years ago, how you said, uh, you know, this stuff is getting so bad. I'm even tempted to think that institutional racism is like a real thing. Yeah. Honestly, and, I, and I was that's... like, wait, you don't think that's a real thing? And you're like, well, I mean, I mean, it, I mean, it might be, but I like, you know, and but we <laughs> that's the whole thing. Like, I hate I hate the phrase white privilege until yeah. I realized that white privilege means like I because I, I thought it meant I get a jet, get out of jail free card. Until I realized that it means I get a j- get out of jail free card because my brother was busted for a shit ton of weed, and one day, and he goes, and this is this is literally what he said. He goes, "Listen, man, I'm the unluckiest dude in the world, but I am glad I'm not black." And I was like, "That is a that is a horrible thing to say. Why did you say that?" And he goes, "Oh no no no, don't misunderstand me." He goes, "I meant because if I was black and they found me with this much weed, I'd be in jail. Instead, I got a three hundred dollar ticket." And I was like, yeah. "Oh." Oh, okay. So it, there, yeah. really, there really is a two justice system. Like, I get, okay, yeah. I get it now. Okay. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. And I, I mean, I, I, I think it's just like, cause like where I was coming from was, I mean, I was, I was raised to be like staunchly anti like racist, like very, like my first grade teacher was, was an African American woman who made it sure that all the white kids in her class knew who Martin Luther King was like, so it's yeah, like yeah, ingrained yeah. in my in brain to like, yo, oh, yeah, like totally. Like it's, I mean, to just like be nice, care about this stuff. Um, like it's, it's like, it's there, but then, you know, you go to Steubenville and you get involved in, um, I guess they like Republican like circles and, and stuff. And Absolutely. there's still yeah. a lot of things politically that i agree with in terms of like economic policies and i mean i mean i don't know i'm i'm kind of a moderate right now but anyways what what i'm trying to uh get at is i I totally understand why some why some people take the approach of oh like like that's not me i'm not like racist i don't have these like i don't but I've never owned really, a person. Yeah, like like I don't experience this. I don't like see that bad stuff happening. Therefore, it must not be real, you know. And it wasn't until I really started to hear the experience of others who were like, "I get followed all the time," or yeah. my parents had to explain to me what to do when I when a cop pulls me over so it doesn't like escalate into something bad. And I just kind of thought I never had to have that talk. It was just you hand your license and, you know, your like um, insurance card and that's all you do. Right. <laughs> you know, like I don't have, and, I, you know, and it just um, it really and it, like honestly, when I started to go, this is a problem was when um, there was a cop here who on camera killed a guy for like zero reason for pulling him over, like right. no reason at all. And I, I saw it. And went, no, this was in um, in like Cincinnati, and he was just they had 
I think they had a mistrial for him. So it's been kind of heated here. And I, I, I just ha- have this thought of how do you jump from like pulling a guy over because he doesn't have his like, he doesn't have his like driver's license. Like how do you jump from like, you don't have a license to therefore I need to shoot you. Right. Like how Absolutely. do you jump to that? I, I just Absolutely. don't. And yeah, it's just like, I really think it, um, like we have a, like when all, all this happened, I was talking to Gomer about it and, and I just like, it like hit me. Like, I don't even have that many African-American like friends. Like that's a problem. Yeah. You know, it's, so I don't even know how it's to a problem to, like, for the, them because they don't know how charming you are. Yeah. Yeah. Right. De-escalate the awkward conversation. Well, no, I know. I'm sorry. I, 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 I hope that wasn't, um, I hope that um, it wasn't offensive at all because it's it's not like it's like a choice. It's just like how my life. My wife, me and my wife were talking about that today, and she goes, "Okay, Michael, I know what we need to do." And I said, "What do we need to do?" And she goes, "We need to have more black friends, and we need to invite them over and just listen to them, right? Because all these places are telling you listen to their stories, ask them questions, and then be quiet and just listen." And she goes, "But Michael, where do we find black people? Do we go to Houston?" Do we invite them? Because there's like 18 at our church and probably 35 in the woodlands. And I don't know if they'd want to hang out with you. And I was like, no, that's true. I mean, I'll give you that. But like literally, literally, hashtag woodlands so white. You know, like it's just the reality. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And it is. And, it, and that's, um, you know, we've all kind of, we've all kind of huddled in our, in our group. And, you know, for a guy like me, um, you know, so, you know, I'm a you know, son of African immigrants growing up Catholic. So I've, you know, like just kind of been in white circles, you know, a lot. And so I end up sometimes being a bridge, <laughs> yeah. which mm-hmm. is like sometimes fine and sometimes very tiring because, right, right. Um, yeah. you know, like the, and it's great. Like I really, I've had great conversations, especially this week and especially when things seem to bubble over, you know, um, you know, like they have in the past couple of days, you know, I get a lot of uh, messages like, Hey, what do I do? Or, Hey, can we talk or whatever? And, you know, like I really am, like, I really do want to talk and, you know, I want, and I want to, um, I want to enlighten people, especially people who are willing at the same time, it's, it can be also very, very tiring. And yeah. I'm like here, anyone who listens to this, that, is, that doesn't mean don't contact me. Like it really doesn't. But if I can be honest, um, you know, like I can't take a break from this stuff. You know, and and mm-hmm. and I, I posted something. It's like you know, I, I said I'm tired. Like I'm tired of trying to convince y'all that this is a thing. I, I, you know, like, um, and it's and it's you know, it takes something. It takes this bubbling over to where you know a few more people are like, oh, maybe this is a thing. Who do I talk to? Who do I talk to? <laughs> Ike, Ike, yeah. Ike is my guy. And it's like Ike's the dude. And it's like that's fine. It's great. It really is. Like I like once again. Um, at the same time, you know, there, I go through stretches, you know, like right now I'm doing a pledge music thing. Right. And I need money for this record. And at the same time, I can't just shut up about what I see around, yeah. what, what, you mm-hmm. know, and, and I know that affects, I know that affects my gigs. I know that like, it's not, that's not like just a me conspiracy theory. It's like, it does like, and I know it affects, you know, um, I know it affects like, you know, people wanting to like, you know, donate to my stuff. It's like, well, Ike must be crazy. I thought he was one of us. And I'm like, no, I've never been one of y'all never have because 
I'm not. And <laughs> just I'm I'm just not. And I could have gone through my whole life just ignoring the fact that like I lived in a different America, but you know, the people who do that, I, like that's not me. That's never been me. And so um, you know, especially in this time now as I've been getting messages and getting text messages encouraging stuff, you know, people who just want to talk, people who want to, you know, like want advice, the whole thing. I'm I really am happy to do that. And it's and and but you know, like any bridge, sometimes you get worn out, you just get tired, you just mm-hmm. you know, um sometimes you just want to just not think about it. I remember the first time I went to a predominantly black area. I was in the Virgin Islands for a mission trip. And I remember I was with a group of white people, 10 white people, you know, and uh, everyone, you know, and uh, uh, I don't know if you've ever been in the Virgin Islands, St. Thomas, but it's, you know. It's uh, all, it's Luke more- lived there. Oh, yeah. did you? Yes. Yeah, I was over in, over in Christiansted. Okay. All right. Yeah, I was, this was a first for me because, you know, like I said, growing up in the States, like growing up in Catholic circles and whatever mm-hmm. it was first and like the pilots are black the flight attendants are black getting off the plane everyone mm-hmm. and i remember yeah. whenever we go out downtown i would just walk away from the group i would just walk away and no one looked at me no one questioned me i had like i had started dreads at the time and like a lot of people had dreads. so i literally was just part and no seriously no one looked at me and it was the first time in my whole life that i felt like i was just a dude you know, oh, and it was, I mean, you know, like, imagine that never yeah. feel, you know, like anytime I walk into any Catholic event, it's like, Hey, it's the black guy, any party, mm-hmm. it's the black guy, any con, it's the black guy. You know how tiring that is? It's tiring, man. And so, um, you know, in times like these, when I say, you know, it's fine. Like I have, you know, it's, it's, it's fine for, you know, people to like want to talk and that's great. Um, at the, and at the same time, I am like I'm tired. And these this past weekend, watching the president of my country, um, many sides, many just, sides, many sides, many sides. You know, like there were very fine people on many sides. I'm like, no, there was not. There were no fine people on the sides of the white nationalists. There were none, none. I'm sorry, I don't care. There were none. There were none of those people wearing tiki torches as they were marching with people who said, you will not replace us. Jews will not replace us. White lies, white power, hail victory, which is just Nazi for whatever, you know, like Nazi in English. Like, who cares, man? Like, no, there were no good people. There were no fine people on the other side. And 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 to hear that to say, like, yeah, there there were fine people like, what are you doing? You know, like. Mm-hmm. And I don't know. I don't know what I don't know. Like you're talking to you were talking about a man who's been a lifelong Democrat who, you know, like was all about abortion, you know, like was friends with the Clintons. And now, you know, but and this is like but this I think this is good because it's we talk, you know, like racism. You know, a friend of mine texted me. He's like, I just I just kind of thought that it was, you know, it was like the old people or like the rednecks in this place. But this weekend has shown me that it's not that. And it's like, yes, even even the white liberal, right? Who's like, oh, yeah, I voted for Obama, man. You know, like, I'm mm-hmm. all with you. I even would have voted person. for him a third time. Yeah. A third time, exactly. Here, let me take a picture of you with flash photography. You know, like... <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know, like, uh, I, like, like, even though, like, it's, it is because... Kind of start, this is where... Hey, hey, Ike, we're starting to lose you. 
Ike. Ike. Luke. I'm here. here. I'm okay. here. Okay, I, uh, can, I can hear him. Can you hear oh, damn it. Can I you hear me? You, you 100% dropped out. For me. For me. <laughs> I'm sorry. You see what I'm saying? You see what I'm saying? <laughs> I can't hear it. I can't handle it. I can't handle what it. I say, when I say, hey, this country was built on white supremacy, Yeah. and if you're not vehemently opposed, you might be an agent of that system. Whoa. Mm. People can't handle that. Yeah. Well, my, you know, whatever, you know, dad was, was Jewish or, um, you know, the Irish were slaves too. Oh, not, true. Was... not true, guys. Just so you know, it's not, that's not a thing. Just, it's not, it's really not. It, 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 as far as like in the context that you, you know, like the internet wants to spew it out. That's not a thing. Sorry. Hey, what, number you know, one, like, number one, I've used that before. Well, the Irish <laughs> were actually treated worse than the slaves because... They owned that. They were property, but the Irish, they just killed and Or they didn't care if they got hurt on the job. It's like, yeah, but guess what? It was a job that they got to leave. <laughs> and, they, and, and they didn't have their daughters raped and lives destroyed because the whim of a master. They had an employer, and that's a totally different freaking relationship. I used to say that. I did because I didn't know. I thought these were liberal race baiters who didn't know the truth that black mm-hmm. people there they were in in conservatives hands black people are in the best hands because they're going to get them money they're going to get um you know good families all this stuff and you have no idea that the deck has been 100% stacked against any of that actually coming true or if it comes true yeah. it comes true and here's my deal like i am obsessed with propaganda now um yeah and i say this because i've so i Number one, I've been listening to his album nonstop because I just don't want to be an idiot. But if you just take his dang lyrics and listen to him, like the older thing, he's like he has this one song called Threefold Chord. Mm. And in Threefold Chord, it's it's the black experience of white people appropriating their culture. And he right. says things like you envied us for our natural sense of rhythm and this and that, uh, but not our struggle. Right. And so it's like right. white, white people take from us. And, and he said, uh, we know the difference between admiration and mockery. What do you think? We're stupid. And uh, and then the next series is about how black relationship to Latinos. And then he says this phrase and it totally caught me off guard where he said, uh, we envied you. We envied your language. The fact that you still spoke the mother tongue, the fact that you mm. knew where you came from. Mm-hmm. And we don't. And I was like, what? And then he's like, we admired all this except your struggle. And then the last thing he goes to was white people. And he says, we admired this, that. And, and he says two things that really woke me up, which was we admired your generational wealth and your, perf- and your complete sense of personhood. And mm-hmm. those two phrases lodged in my brain like a time bomb that went off today. I, I went on the Verge Network, which is an evangelical missional thing, and they're doing all these things about race. And I had I had drafted a homily that I would hope priests would have read last week. I woke up at 3 o'clock in the morning and wrote it out, where it confronts it. It confronts the lie of colorblindness and race-neutral language. Right. Like, we need right. to admit, the Bible admits this stuff. The Bible is totally fine talking about Jesus was a Jew. And, and right. then, so I go through all of this stuff, and uh, so then today I was watching these videos with propaganda, and he was uh, on race, right? So it was a conversation. And he talked about, you know, you see 
the Homestead Act that confiscated millions of acres or millions of miles yeah. or whatever from Native right. Americans and and yeah. uh, sharecropping and Jim Crow and I mean not to mention slavery and the Three Fifths Compromise and all of this stuff you don't realize we've inherited even if yes. we didn't do it. See, this is the thing that that. I don't know if you remember this in the past. I, I had shared something on Facebook. Where I, I said, uh, I think one of the problems with the reason why there's so much racism that's implicit within white culture is, yeah, I did share this with you because that's why I said, you know what the problem with white people is, and you thought that was hilarious. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah. it's we don't think we have a culture, or rather we think our culture is culture as such. And yeah. I believe that that's, that's traced to enlightenment, uh, enlightenment modernism, their, their drive for philosophical universal truths and everything and that they think that they've abstracted their culture to universal perfection when it's just a symptom of white culture or European culture. And, um, right. and then think about this. I heard this guy say, he's a, a, uh, I believe he's a Korean pastor. He said, the issue is the European cultural inheritance of individualism allows an individual to say, I am not a racist. I didn't own anybody. I never burned crosses, therefore I'm not at fault. And he and he right. says, and then the language of white guilt allows us to use that individualist language and escape it. And he's saying, but black people in America, that it's specifically African Americans who were brought over on slave ships, were treated as a collective. Right. So there is an experience of not individualism. Because they're constantly being lumped in a group. And if you're constantly being lumped in a group, then you learn to think as black culture, right? And, you know, like, and all these terms. And I was like, and then all that started clicking. I was like, enlightenment, radical individualism, culture as such. Oh, these are deviant cultures, lesser cultures, mud cultures. And then all of a sudden you're right into the racial language. And, oh, look at that. We found ourselves in the very heart of white supremacy, and you don't you didn't even you were just reading Immanuel Kant. You weren't reading Adolf Hitler. You know, you're just taking exactly. in the best of enlightenment philosophy from continental yeah. Europeanism, which has totally formed how we do science, how we do math, yeah. how our universities are set up, has these structures inherited within it. And then yeah. you look at the generational wealth on top of that, like and Pew Research Forum said that uh, in, in modern America, so I don't know when they did study, 2015, something like that, said that white households, and I don't know how they define households, but white households have, or Euro, I should say European descent, because there's no such thing as whiteness, but European right. descent households have 20 times more wealth than, uh, than black households. It, it, they, yeah. they said black on the thing, so I don't know how they defined it or exactly, but... When you look at that perspective, if we lose half of our wealth, we're still 10 times higher worth. And that's the generational thing that passes on. Yeah. Yeah. And it's funny that individualism thing, you know, like um, and, you know, it's it's like, you know, for black people uh, um, being lumped into, you know, being lumped into the collective. Like there's a culture, you know, like black, you know, like there's a it's almost like there's a shared experience um, but it translates into, for instance, you know, like um, Dylan Roof can shoot up a black church and kill black people, have a manifesto saying, this is why I did it. Um, I'm a white supremacist and I want and I want black people to die. And he can be labeled as a lone wolf completely on his own. 
psychotic. Mm. He was a good kid, but he, he went off the rails, right? But even just a black victim, not even a black, I'm talking about a black or brown victim, instantly, what are we going to use? His mugshot. Look, all these people are like this. This is, you know, like, what about black on black crime? You know, like you guys are talking about cops. What about black on black crime? It's like, what? Well, what about white on white crime? Because there's more white on white crime than black on black crime. Well, maybe because there's more of you, but you know what I'm saying? Like, but so we like it. Like we get, you know, automatically there's like this. There's, you know, we don't get. There's no. There's no individualism here with black people with brown people. It's like, you know, one uh, brown person, one Muslim person does something, and it's like all of them. All of you are like this. All of you. Mm-hmm. Islam is bad everywhere. All pe- people are bad, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but Timothy McVeigh, lone wolf. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. Um, um, whatever his name is in Charlotte, you know, he'll he you know there are already he schiz- he was schizophrenic or whatever yeah. he you know, but he was a good kid. But then he was you know like all these things. You know, he come, went wrong he can, like somewhere. Yeah, yeah. He can stand yeah. alone, but. Black person does something, he stands for the whole community. Well, and I think, too, like, Uh, I wonder if that, like, plays into this idea. Because this is something that, like, I, like, that these, like, that, like, these white, that these, like, um, white nationalists, um, that they are the, like, outliers. Right. We don't see them as the norm because... For whatever, like, every, I don't know, that's really interesting. I mean, in, in a profoundly sad way. Right. And then the other for me, the um, deepening saga of this is how quickly we are to. uh, How did I put it the other day Um, in the in the homily thing that I wrote, um, the whole point was we are quick to distance ourselves from it. That's deplorable. You know, like I would never do this. Oh, my gosh. This is so messed up. And it's good to say those things, right? Especially if you're the American president. Um, right. It, it's, good, it's good to put distance between you and, I don't know, Nazis that my grandfather fought. Um, right. But at the same time, you don't the, – the, the indignation of certain people to put themselves at distance from it can prevent us from true self-examination, right? Like where, where do I – where do I treat Ike like my black friend instead of my friend who's black? Like mm-hmm. not not per, not mm-hmm. doing the colorless thing, but also not having him be like, well, there's a racial issue in America. Better call Ike. Right. Like how do how do how do I let Ike be Ike without constantly exhausting him with my questions? You know, and and all the stuff that you talked about earlier. But this this deeper thing that I think I think national tragedies like this are good or not. OK, let me rephrase that. <laughs> they're not good. They these big events help us with the conversation. Like we need to talk about this. We need to address this. Yeah. Holy shit! I can't right. believe this happened. You know, it would have been better if yeah. the tiki torch parade happened, and then the counter protests happened, and there was some fist fights, but there was no car. You know, and then Ooh, we right, could have right. a national conversation about this. But the car added a whole new dimension. I mean, I have it on did. my on my desktop mm-hmm. is the image of. Of people just being thrown over. There's a pair of shoes on the ground for crying out loud with no feet in it underneath the car. And, um, you know, and I, and I have this here to remind me, like, I mean, this, (laughs) we have to dig deeper than just the surface level disgust. 
we have yeah. to sit there and say, like, I like I don't ever want to talk about this. I don't want to talk because I don't want to say that I'm racist, that I'm prejudiced, that I have these feelings, that I've ever cooperated with systems of oppression. But I don't have to cooperate. It's just a part of my life. I get to walk around every day and not have clerks look at me. Well, now they do because I have a bushy beard, but not look at me twice <laughs> because of my skin. I mean, literally just because of my skin color, right? I don't have to build mm-hmm. a relationship with the gas station attendant so he knows not to be freaked out because when I show up, you know? Right. Like, and that's the, that's the point is we, we have to pay attention to that. And lastly, I'm just going to say this, and then i got to go pee. But uh, they're, they're <laughs> prop- propaganda made this point on the, on the interview, and I'm going to link put up all these links, but he said – we can't have racial reconciliation until we have racial justice. And he said, it's the equivalent of you smacking me in the face a million times. And then once you feel sorry about it, and you say, hey, well, can't you just put that in the past? Can't we just reconcile? And he yeah. said, and he goes, and yet I walk around town and I see 9-11, never forget. And remember right. the Alamo. And he's like, why are you allowed to remember your pain? But I'm right. not allowed. I'm told, oh, that's in the past. Just forget it. And. It's right. not, and today I, or this week, I feel like we realize that not even the worst parts of it are in our past. Yeah. No, it's something that is that we're still dealing with. And I, if you don't mind, I just want to, as I posted this on Facebook, I just want to read. This is, and you know, I love finding this because I think you know, like our bishops and priests sometimes just do it right, um, and um, Archbishop Chaput, um just kind of kills it sometimes. And mm-hmm. I pose it this. I'm just going to read it. Racism is a poison of the soul. It's the ugly original sin of our country, an illness, an illness that has never fully healed. Blending with the Nazi salute, the relic of a regime that murdered millions, compounds obscenity. Thus, the wave of public anger about white nationalist events in Charlottesville this weekend is well warranted. We especially need to pray for those injured in the violence. But we need more than pious public statements. If our anger today is just another mental virus displaced tomorrow by the next distraction or outrage we find in the media, nothing will change. Charlottesville matters. It is a snapshot of our public unraveling into real hatreds brutally expressed, a collapse of restraint and mutual respect now taking place across the country. We need to keep the images of Charlottesville alive in our memories if we want a different kind of country in the future. We need to start today with a con- conversion in our own hearts and an insistence on the same in others. That may sound simple, but the history of our nation and its tortured attitudes towards race proves exactly the opposite. Oh, wow. You know, like, um, and, uh, you know, I posted that on, on Facebook, and it's funny when you say things. I, you know, like, it's funny when you say stuff. It's like it's like a kid, you know, who the mom says, you know, broccoli is <laughs> really good. But then when like the cool uncle breezes into town, it's like, hey, kid, broccoli's cool. And then the, the you know, the kid starts eating the broccoli because it came from a cooler source. It's not yeah. it's like that with Catholics. I say, you know, you know, so I say something or Audrey says something. And it's like, we hate you. We're not going to book you for anything. But Archbishop Chaput said that. It's like, OK, well, I think I'll share that because that's good. You know, so yeah. whatever, as long as the point gets across, like like this is this is ingrained. It is in the air that we breathe. It's in the soil. It's in the water. This is part of our um, national DNA is racism, white supremacy, which even that word, like, 
will make a lot of white people shudder. Like, what are you talking? I'm not a part of that. I never owned slaves. My family, da da da. Listen, man, like you, you're here now, and you're benefiting from like artificial the original sin of our country, mm-hmm. you know. And uh, it, it, you, at some point, in order to move forward, there needs to be repentance. There needs to be, and there has never been that. You know, like, um, you know, and, and, you know, we talk about, like, slavery, but, hello, this country belonged to other people. Yeah. <laughs> it belonged mm-hmm. to other people who were living mm-hmm. and doing their thing. And You mean the you Dutch, know, were, you mean the Dutch, the original yeah, settlers yeah, of New York? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I knew we would bring up the Dutch. You know how I hate them. It always goes back to the Dutch. Uh, always the Dutch. It's, you know, yeah. like, I think it's, it's real. It's, Sorry, go oh, ahead. Go no, 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 no. Like, just what? Um, I think one of the next steps, and 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 uh, we don't have to go down this road, but because it's, it's you know we're already about an hour and a half into this, but it's like, what does that justice actually look like? Because yeah. I, because you know, because I I heard a really great podcast where they actually talked about like they uh, talked about like what is the cost of slavery? Like, what's the financial? costs that people who are the descendants of slaves just like you know african americans in our country what are they like what are they owed specifically in terms of like reparations you know and it's for like one for like once for like one slave it's like a billion dollars yeah so if you think like they're owed a billion dollars that that is wealth that they have like lost out on opportunities due to jim Crow laws and all you know and i'm just like holy crap like that puts like a number on it, which for one, and I'm like that. Well, what do we even do? Yeah, well, should have paid that forty acres a mule all the way, you know, back when. But now, you know, yeah, no inflation. Forty acres and mules now a billion dollars per, you know, you know per black person. It's and it's crazy because it just goes to show um, the devastation, and that's just monetary. You know, temporal things. We're talking like talk about like think about like you know any any like and the, the problem too is people like slavery was so long ago it really wasn't. But if you want to go down that route, you take a people, you know, a people who are doing their own thing, have their own language, have their own culture, and you steal them from their country. Then you separate them, so they're they're no longer they can't speak the language that they grew up with. So now they're learn they're they're forced to learn another language, and for generations. The, them and their children and their children's children, children and they're they're in slavery. And then all of a sudden, Emancipation Proclamation, which actually doesn't free the slaves, all the slaves, it just frees the slaves in the South because it was a you know war tactic. But the president, you know, Lincoln had something coming, but you know, whatever. So then eventually all the slaves are freed. Yay, that's great. In the South, that meant nothing because you free a slave, where are they gonna go? Nowhere. So what do they end up doing? Well, they go right back to the plantation where they start making, you know, a cent every week to mm-hmm. to to live in the same place that they live, to work on the same fields that they live in the same conditions. And if they tried, if any of them tried to to uplift their way of living, well, that's an uppity nigger, and that uppity nigger needs to be dealt with. KKK is born; they're dealt with. Lynch them, terrorize them, whatever it is. And then as time progresses, whole societies are trying to be born, like in Oklahoma, for instance. And then you have a whole, you know, a whole 
group town of black people who are progressing, who are, you know, finding success. And then literally it's just taken from them. Their, their town is bombed, taken from them. This is like customary without, you know, throughout all of America. But it's okay because he was free. And then continuing even further than that, now we go to Jim Crow. You know, we go even a little, we go even a little further. You're not allowed to go to have the best schools. You're not allowed to have the best facilities. But you have your own facilities, so it's fine. But it's bullshit because you don't have the great. You don't. You have nothing. And so this guy comes along, and it's we just think of this one guy, Martin Luther King, comes along, right? But there was hundreds of people who were working with him and. And not with him, but we're working, you know, like to 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 better the position of black people in this country, you know. And you know, some things happened. He got killed. Some things were signed, and we think it all went away. But if 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 racism is really an evil, then it belongs to the evil one, and he's just not going to let it go. He's not going to just let it just fade away to the distance. Not to get super Jesusy, religiousy on us, but like That's if racism. Really good point, is- Race. If racism is an evil, why would he just like you guys? I know you guys have read the Screw Tape letters. I know probably a lot of people who listen have read the Screw Tape letters. Why would he just let it go? But let's give you just a little victory, just to think. Now you can say, "Hey, that all was in the past. We yeah. have, for, for God's sake, we have a Martin Luther King Day. It's all gone now. Post-racial society, and it's bullshit because it's not." We literally, we have not atoned. We have not atoned for slavery. We have not atoned for, you know, the fact that we looked at a human being and said, you're three-fifths of a human being. What? That's not, we haven't atoned for Jim Crow. We have not. We we haven't. But we've put some Band-Aids over massively gaping wounds. You know, we've turned slavery into the prison system. That's a whole other thing, whatever. But we haven't really addressed or fixed anything. We've just, it's just kind of, and that's where if, if, if I want to get super religious, that's where the devil wants it, right? Like he doesn't want it out in the open. Maybe he'll probe every once in a while with like a Charlotte's vote, but like he doesn't want it out in the open. He doesn't want the racism of this country to be out in the open because what would be the point of that? There yeah. would be no. So it's, it's been, it has, and for us, for black people, brown people in this country, we know that it's not gone. It's always been there. Now we have Twitter and Facebook and, you know, like instant media where we're like, oh, no, like all of a sudden this has become a problem. It used to be this in the 90s. I feel like people thought it was a utopia. Like this is a racial utopia. Nothing's bad. Everything's good. It's like, no, no, sorry. While freaking Clinton was talking about super predators, that, that affected our communities. You know, like this has been happening. You know, like I was a senior in high school. Um, I'm a butcher's name, so I won't say, but an African immigrant in New York was killed um, by like 80 gunshots by cops because he pulled out his wallet because they asked him to. They asked him to. You know, like this is not so, like, oh you know, gosh. most people don't know that. But let me tell you, yeah. a lot of black people do. We do. And we know that, you know, because we're having these conversations because we have to. So we have not dealt. We have not fixed anything. Nothing. We, we've we sure we've taken away, you know, uh, um, um, black schools. You've taken away black water fountains. You can sit anywhere you want on a bus. That's all just cosmetics. Mm-hmm. What does that mean when I go in? When two people go in equally qualified, one with a black name and one with not a black name, and seven times out of ten, that person with a black name will not get a call back. Mm-hmm. That's that's real oppression. When my dad, who was a master, he had a master's degree, a master's degree in engineering. And that and I'm looking around at other kids 
who had all these things. We had nothing because my dad couldn't keep a job. It wasn't because he wasn't well-liked. This is real life, man. You know what I'm saying? And, and we have not dealt with this. It's a cancer. It's a sickness. And we just kind of want to let it eat us. And it's eating us right now, you know? Yeah, I think yeah, we no. I think we want to put ourselves at a distance from it. And because we want to be safe from it, right? we deny its reality. And yeah. it, when in fact, you know, as we all know, as anyone who reads the screw tape letters, the devil hides and that's his most powerful place to be is hidden. Absolutely. And when he's hidden, when these things are not addressed, atoned for, you know, or I mean, my biggest thing is this. So when, whenever this happened and before I found out about the, um, the violence, when I just heard about the Tiki Torch Parade and I was I said, this is what we need to do. We need to have a million man march of just white Christian men. And the whole yeah. point of it is we're just going to beg Christ for repentance. Not yeah. that we individually, you know, we, we smiled when a black guy got fired for being, you know, or, or we rolled our eyes at Michael Brown or whatever. Like, oh, come on. He was a criminal. Not because of any of that. But just because this is our, this is our inheritance. It doesn't matter that we didn't directly purchase a slave on the shores of Africa and bring him over here. This is our inheritance and we need to yeah. atone. We need to repent for it. Christ already atoned, but we need to drive this. And the coolest thing is we can actually come together. We belong to a church that 2000 years ago, literally at one point, Greek speaking Jewish widows weren't being fed every day. And when it was brought to the apostles attention, in Acts chapter 6, they commissioned six men, which started the diaconate, in order to address the, disparity, the disparaging inequality of Greek-speaking to Hebrew-speaking widows. Right? Yeah. I mean, think about that. The Hebrew widows, or the Greek widows, were literally going hungry because they spoke and probably were born outside of Judea, or at least their native language was different. Right. But they were all Jews. That's the thing. It's crazy. This is this is back yeah, to Christianity. Yeah. It was still Jewish. Mm-hmm. And but yeah. the but the subtlety of the apostles' response that I think people miss was when they picked the the men to become de, um the first deacons, they were all Greek. Mm. Names like Nicholas yeah. and stuff like that. So this is them saying like, All right, we're gonna give these men spiritual authority over you and over the you know, the serving at tables, and guess what? Right. They're all gonna be Greek. Well what about what about Hebrew speaking? Don't they get a voice? Don't Hebrew lives matter as well? If, well, right <laughs> now. Right? And I heard a, a guy say that and I was like, damn it, that is and then you have you have uh you know um nine chapters later in Acts fifteen you have the story of how they reconciled now Greek or Gentiles and Jews, you know, like bringing them into the church. It took an ecumenical council to figure out how much we should bring them into the church or how do we bring them into the church? Or is there still going to be a court of the Gentiles out there for for the rest of the world as a racial group, you know? And then you go into Galatians chapter two, where St. Paul says that essentially the racism of Peter, he opposed him to his face. And he yes. said, and he should be condemned. Yes. Because he, he, he ate like a Gentile when he was hanging out with Gentiles. But when the Judaizers showed up, he, he, re, 
he hid himself. He backed away from the Gentiles. It was an overt act that ignored the unity in Christ. Yeah. And I do. I mean, yeah. I honestly, when we talk about racial justice, I have no idea what it looks like, mostly because I just started learning about this stuff. But I do know <laughs> that it has to take the form of a cross. And yeah, I, and mm-hmm. I just don't know how to get there. Well, and, and that's great. I think that's great what you said as far as it has to take the form of a cross. Right. And this is going to, well, this is just going to be how it is. But the, uh, the racial um, climate in this country and, and white supremacy was not erected by black people yeah. or, or Native Americans. It was not. It was erected by white men. Now, you know, people will hear that. I'm like, it wasn't me. I'm like, dude, I'm not saying it, was, it clearly wasn't you because you're just you're only 45. So you clearly weren't a part of the construction of this country. But you do benefit. You do. Re- like you said, um, like it is your it is your inheritance. It's your legacy. Mm-hmm. And so there's only, you know, someone asked me, you know, uh, messaged me on Facebook. Well, what You know, like they said a lot of things. But like, what can I do? I'm like, well. Honestly, you can start speaking up because I'm tired. Yeah. Like, mm-hmm. my, you know, like I'm shouldering this burden. I feel like I'm shouldering this burden with little help. And you have no idea when I go like, Luke, I don't, I'm sorry. I don't, I don't know if I follow you on any social media, but I do follow Gomer. And I'm <laughs> like, when I see, when I see, um, when I see your like posts, um, from you or other, I mean, I, you have no idea the burden that it lifts. You have no, and I know it's just social media. It's stupid. It's dumb. I get it. it you know, whatever, but it's what we have, yeah. you know? Mm-hmm. And I told this person like, speak up, speak up because I feel like I'm on my own and it's, I'm tired. I'm tired. And I need you to help me carry this damn burden because I can't do it on my own, you know? And and you got um, Galatians six right there. Carry your brother's burden right there. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. And you know, I'm I'm trying to finish a blog right now for, um, you know, for Life Teen about that same thing about you know the Samaritan, you know, the Good Samaritan, and which is such a you know part of who we are as Christians, as especially in the West, like the Good Samaritan. Um, but the radicalism of that of of Christ of Jesus using Jesus using the Samaritan man. And the and how at odds Jews were for some. I mean, it's like it's mind-boggling to me. And literally, him saying like, "This is the most. This is the most important thing. Love God and love your neighbor as yourself, as yourself." Like, and all of this, all of this depends a lot. All this all depends on the law of the prophets. Like, this is the thing, man. Do this, and 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 like we can't. Man, I mean. Can you imagine? Can you imagine, like, just simply on your right and your left, no matter who's there? I don't care if it's a, you know, um, a, a black person, a white person, an Asian person, a Mexican person, a Muslim, um, a gay person, transgender person, like, looking to the person on your right, like, well, I'm just going to love you because that's all I have. That's literally all you have. That's all you got. I'm just going to love. I don't know what else. I don't know what that means, but I'm just going to love you. I'm just going to love you. And that's and and that's what you know, like that, because that's that's what really what God gave me. You know, that's what that's what Jesus told me to do. Um, and like maybe just maybe we can start to dismantle. Uh, you know, I I just think that it's it's through love, it's through our love that that you know His kingdom is shown, and 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 uh, and things are changed, and chains are broken. You know, but mm-hmm. it is going to take sacrifice, like you said, Gomer. It's going to take 
you know, literally climbing on that cross. And like, not every time you see, you know, a Facebook post, you're like, well, let me go ahead and uh, tell you why, whatever. I don't know. You know what I'm saying? Like, just, man, humility, listen to people and just mm-hmm. and, and, and die, die to yourself. That's what it takes. It's just going to take a lot of death. But, you know. Yeah, but the, the problem, have... what was it, propaganda said at this event that I actually went to in Cincinnati, I crashed on Luke's couch. <laughs> he was a guest speaker, and they did a whole panel on race and racism in the evangelical church. And uh, he had this line where he said, um, oh, what was it? It was, um, equality looks like tyranny when you're the one with privilege. Yes, and, absolutely. And it's a great line because it does, it feels like, I mean, th- what these men are saying is like, you're taking it away. And it's like, we're just adding more people to the table, but more people right. to the table might mean a smaller pie or it might mean they grow the damn pie. Like right. having exactly. more people at the table doesn't mean you're bankrupt, you know, just because, right. you know, uh, a black farmer back in the day would charge a nickel and a white farmer would charge 10 cents. So therefore the 10 cent farmer's out of a job. It might mean that the next, you know, Steve jobs is, is a person of color and he's going to radically increase everyone's buy. The next right. Bill Gates, like we got to stop thinking in terms of mm-hmm. my life as how I how I have always known it, and then right. ex- expand that aspect of it. And and the other thing is, you know, it's funny because when you talk about talking about this stuff all the time. So I was trying to get the they. I didn't know they recorded me when I did this event in prison uh, at this at this Ferguson unit um, that I go to every other Monday and. We did this big praise and worship event, and I was hoping that they would have recorded the talks and music and stuff. Well, it turns out they did. I just found out yesterday that they did. Um, And there was – I did – and I'm doing this, like, all the time now. I did one talk on um, repentance and one talk on racism. And uh, racism in the prison is one of the hardest places to talk about it. Right, yeah. Because when you talk about it as institutional, I mean, literally – People's lives are on the line if they sit at the wrong table. Yes. And and so and I'm in a room filled with it's literally a third, a third, a third, black, white, and mm-hmm. um Latino. And the whole thing is I and I just said to the guys, Jesus had to go to Samaria. Right? He didn't have to. He wanted to because he needed to have the encounter between the Samaritans and the Jews. And Jesus was gonna be the yeah. reconciling point. And so I pointed at the door and I say you have to go to Samaria when you leave here, but racism will endure as long as you don't build a community together because no one man can say, I'm, I'm going to stop being racist. And then I'm going to sit with, I'm going to be a white guy and I'm going to sit with the black guys at lunch. He'll be dead by dinner by the yeah. white guys or Absolutely. by the black guys or by the Mexican. Like it right. doesn't, it, you need a sustainable <laughs> Right. I mean, there's no one, there's no one there that they all are invested in this system. And, uh, and I said, unless a community says in the name of Jesus Christ, I'm willing to die in order to end this negativity, then it's always going to be here. Mm -hmm. And the burden has to be shared by everyone. So yeah, Heather, Heather was willing to die. I don't know if she was willing, but she certainly gave her life. She did. And I think, uh, I think, you know, uh, you know, she probably was, you know, you probably didn't go to that event with um, the violence happening, thinking, yeah. well, I'm going to be completely and utterly safe. You don't, you, you don't know? protest neo-Nazis yeah. thinking this is going to turn out easy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. This is going to be an easy thing. Now, check for my community thinking, service. 
Right, right. Did she go thinking I'm gonna I might die today? Maybe, but probably not. But um, you know, like that her her uh her sacrifice was so heartbreaking. And um, you know, that her um funeral I think was today in a memorial service. And um her mom, who like I kinda sense was probably not really like totally gung ho for what her daughter was about. Um, just her sacrifice alone. She's like, let's you know, like she's she's completely and fully behind her daughter. You know, yeah. like, um, and you know, I look at I look at her and 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 you know, see her picture and see her, you know, like what she stood for. I'm like, man, that, that right there is she shouldered the burden. She yeah. did, and it sucks, man. It's re- it really is heartbreaking. There's a there's a mo- there's a, a man and a woman, a mom and a dad who don't have their daughter. There's there are people who don't have their friend. You know, but this. She stood for something, you know, and she was, you know, her mom was talking like she never shut up about it. She never, you know, to the point where like people would leave, but she never shut up about it. Like, you know, like that's what it takes. That's actually what it takes. And, you know, when I get, you know, I get, you know, messages on the Facebook and emails, like, what should I do? It's like, well, annoy people. Talk about it. Put it on social media. Talk about it at Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving is the worst, you know, but you got to do it, you know. Um, Shane Shane Claiborne is really great. I don't know if you follow oh, him, but he's. I do, I do, absolutely. You, you know, and it's it's funny because I remember he's the, me, kind, of, he's the kind of Christian I want to be. Yeah. Seriously, yeah. he's the kind of Christian I want to be. Well, the funny thing is, like, I stopped following him because he stopped talking about poor people and started talking about race relations. And I was mm-hmm. like, nah, that's just not my thing. I think I need to get more people into like helping the poor and stuff. And I have a handful of friends and not all of them are, are, are white guys. And, uh, but some of them are, and you might know them, but they were all like, yeah, I got his new book about racial justice. It's just, it's just not as cool as irresistible revolution. Like, <laughs> you know, like having pizza with poor people in a church, that's going to boot them out. That's cool. But I mean, I guess we can pray together with with minorities, you know, and and, and then all of a, and then all of a sudden, like I, I mean, I've been following him since day one because I love his stuff. But he talks about you know the death penalty, poor, um, not ignoring the poor, and racial justice, all, those three yeah. things more than anything else. And I constantly hear this, and I'm like, oh my gosh, this guy's saying all the things twenty, you know, ten years ago that I should have been saying. So. Now I just basically just retweet yeah. him and feel yeah. guilty the whole time. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Let's start talking about poor people instead of black people because those are two totally separate categories. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Exactly. Ugh. Yeah, it's funny. The funny thing is on Twitter, like I'll like a Shane Claiborne t- tweet will come up and I'll see, like, wait, was it a tweet from him? Did I see this? Or did I see, is it a retweet? from gomer like eh, sometimes it's just it's just a retweet. <laughs> <laughs> pretty much everything he says i retweet that's just uh it's a fact of life i was giving a talk yesterday on tuesday um on grace and mm. uh, and, and and that's what i talked about like i ended up i ended up bringing neo-nazism white supremacy uh charlottesville um all of this stuff because, like, like, one of the things I talk about is works-based righteousness and how right. the Pelagian heresy basically says you can earn your salvation. But when you talk to kids yeah. today, they say, oh, you know, like, I'm not a murderer. I'm not Hitler. And I'm like, oh, great. So people in hell, it's just Hitler. Well. <laughs> and, now, right. and, and, and his fans from Charlottesville. And I looked over the crowd. <laughs> I looked over the crowd, and there was, there was only one person of color. 
And uh, I'm assuming he could have been Italian. But there's only one person of color there. And, uh, that was a joke. Uh, and he, he just, like, looked at me and was like, Boo. I know. He just looked at me and was like, what? Why are you bringing this up now? Like, I'm not ready for this. Why are you bringing this crap up right now? But I just, <laughs> right? Because I'm sure he's tired. <laughs> you know, like, I didn't. He's tired. It's yeah. like being the kid in freaking elementary school. And it's like, okay, now we're about to start the chapter on race, on, uh, on slavery. And every head slowly turns to all the three black people in the room. <laughs> you know, like, that was my existence. It's like, and you got it as I'm a Catholic. As a Catholic, absolutely. That, then when they talk about Galileo and the Inquisition, you got to do the same thing. Oh, <laughs> there's the Catholic kid. <laughs> every... <laughs> Nobody knew I was Catholic in elementary school. Oh. But it's funny because... Like, oh, they all did in mine. <laughs> <laughs> Of course they did. I'm not even surprised. Uh, <laughs> no, not because I was into it. I mean, oh, right. I mean, I gotcha. was, but uh, <laughs> they knew it because literally they it was the most anti-Catholic school you could go to. Ah, it was a public gotcha. school in Broken Arrow, Oklahoma, and there was I mean the people there were amazing, but you know they, their churches used to have sermon series. Catholicism, a cult. The Ku Klux Klan used to burn crosses in front of my church. Like this was a real thing that happened. Yeah, mm. my um, uh, yeah, my it's funny the experience because I, um, you know, growing up in public schools in you know in Missouri and then uh, you know going further, like I always felt like you you just kind of you there is like this kind of like spotlight on you, like and you um, you just kind of get used to it for a while and like yeah whatever it's fine it's there and then after a while you just get tired you. You are tired of it. You are tired. You just kind of want to – sometimes you just want to blend in and not be anything or anyone. But that's not an option, you know. It's never an option. Like you have – you know, you're, you're, you know, you're going to be in the forefront sometimes. And um, anyway, that, that was, uh, you know, my elementary school experience sometimes. I – my sixth grade – when I was in sixth grade, talk about my mom – going back to my mom being a, a pistol – my sixth grade teacher, there was four black people in her in my sixth grade math class math class. And uh, you know, this is in Missouri. And just that teacher, it was very clear that she just hated all of the four of us. Just hated us. Yeah. Um and uh at one point I remember thinking, I remember thinking, I don't know if I deserve the grade that I have because I feel like I'm doing better in this class. That was just my thought. And then one day, you know, we're all lined up leaving and she pulls me aside and she says, you don't have to be like them. You're different. You don't have to be like them. Mm. And uh, it was something that I was kind of used to being an African kid. Um, but for being an African kid, the three, my three best friends in this class were black. You know, they weren't African. They were African-American and they were my homies. I loved them to death, you know. Um, but we weren't dumb. We weren't like, you know, whatever, you know? And so, but she said that to me and, um, you don't have to be like them. And it was, I remember at the time being in sixth grade thinking, that's not cool. And I told my mom and my mom went on the war path on the freaking war path. <laughs> and within a couple of weeks got me, got me removed from this math class into another math class, which never happened. And this teacher was not fired because she had tenure. And I remember her being very apologetic. It's like, that's, I'm, I don't know why you got this. And like, I'm like, 
and you know she would you know bef- like I remember like a couple days before I was out my transfer went through she tried to like reason with me I'm in sixth grade you know I think my mom had warned me or talked to me but she's like you don't talk to this woman so she comes up to me and starts talking to me I'm like I can't I don't I can't talk to you and then I was transferred into another math class you know this is like I'm in sixth grade man this is sixth grade in that same year you know, like my, my first real girlfriend, when I say real, like we held hands in the playground for like two seconds. and then So nice. Right? Whatever. So nice. So great. It's great. You know, but like that, you know, like she broke up with me. She's a white girl, you know, like she broke up with me. I was like, oh, that's so sad. And instead of like experiencing like normal, normal heartbreak, you know, like normal pain that a sixth grade goes through and listening to like, you know, boys and men and like getting all uh, angsty mm-hmm. instead of experiencing that her best friend told me that she was there when she told when this when my you know whatever quote unquote girlfriend told her grandmother that she was dating me and that, she, that i was black and her words the words out of that grandmother's mouth was dump that nigger right away so that was oh my gosh so that in sixth grade you know like so that was my experience, you know, like, and this wasn't like the first time, but this was like a major thing for me. And still was, it's a, it's a wound that like, you know, for a good portion of my dating life, if I ever was like in a relationship with someone who wasn't black, you know, who wasn't Brown, mm-hmm. it was like the most nerve wracking thing ever to meet their parents because I just, you know, so, um, this is, I'm sixth grade, you know, like the freaking trauma that you experience, you know? And, 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 you know, you don't, most people don't have to, most people who aren't black or brown don't have to go through, you know? Um, and these are the stories that, you know, you want people to listen to, but, you know, they just kind of write off and just Well, that's say not me. Yeah. That's my grandma. That's yeah, exactly. Not... That's not me. Yeah. yeah. It's so funny because her, the, 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 the girl who told me her mom was like, I was a paper boy at the time and she like. Um, I remember like she, like I came by, I was like just doing my normal paper route. Her mom came out. It was like extreme white guilt. You know, she comes out and she's like, Hey, you want an ice cream? She like, you want an ice cream sandwich? I just want to say that we love you and we think you're great. And you want to date my daughter, Kim? You could date her, date her, date her. You can date her. You know, like I'm in sixth grade. So I'm like, I still was like, I, my parents don't even really let me date, but whatever, you know, like whatever, you know, like Mm -hmm. it was. But it was one of those profound things that should have just been normal heartbreak. It should have just been normal thing, but it wasn't. It was it was introducing me to the lay of the land, which is this is where we come from. This is what we are as a society, as a as a country, and this is what you're gonna go through. You know, I'm you know, twelve year old dealing with this shit. It's not the easiest. Man, what wow. was I dealing with when I was twelve? Porn, probably just porn. Damn it! <laughs> no, I mean it was, we it was the internet wasn't really even a real, a real thing back then. So if it was, you were oh, I found a way. <laughs> <laughs> Usenet user groups, neighbor's house with sketchy old men who had porn. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Such so. broken, broken dreams. Uh- uh, <laughs> I was just a little too much into Batman Forever, so that's what was going on when I was twelve. <laughs> Batman Forever, isn't that the worst Batman? Batman Wait, how uh, old are you? I'm thirty-four. I'm thirty-four. 
Does, was that around when we were 12? Yeah. Yeah. Right yeah, yeah no, like, totally it was. That's, totally. that's, that's it's 95. Yeah, 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 yeah. You're right. I was Wait, like, oh, Batman Forever. I'm sorry. I was thinking the cartoon show Batman Beyond. You know, and like, oh, Batman. so oh, awesome. Yeah, yeah. So awesome. I love that one. Like, oh. Terry. Yeah, I, I love that one, and I could never figure out when it actually aired a new episode. I was, it was yes! like, it was like winning. It was like trying to find the episode of X Men that had Apocalypse on it. It was like, wait, is this the Apocalypse episode? <laughs> this is the Apocalypse episode. <laughs> oh my god, that dude! Oh man, this is why we're friends. <laughs> <laughs> this is why we're gonna see each other Friday, September 29th at Encounter Houston. <laughs> this is not an ad, but. Come and Not join us for the low, low price of insert price here. <laughs> yeah, because we didn't. <laughs> but seriously, we're, I think we're supposed to have Catching Foxes signups where we'll give you 20% off. But I don't know how to do that right now. And <laughs> Damn it. Hey, uh, Emily, I am so sorry. <laughs> you want to go encounter? Yeah, uh, email us and we'll give you 20% off. Yeah, no, yeah, it's all good. Email this, is, this is what you do. You go and you sign up, and when you're going to buy your ticket for encounter, right, this is a weekend away for young adults. This is, it feeds you spiritually, it feeds you physically, because you would die if you didn't feed you. But we got music is going to be there with Ike, and there's like three other bands, right? Like on that Ben Walter is going to be there, Josh Blakesley, I think Andrew Laubacher. Yeah, there's going to be a lot of people, yeah. Oh, A Lob is going to be there, that sucks. But uh, other than that, I'm just, <laughs> I'm just kidding. He's a household brother, I have to say that. But um, the, the most important thing, right, is it's going to be an awesome weekend. So if you think about it from that perspective, should splurge a little stay the whole weekend hang out with me and luke say hi to ike and uh and just have a good time it's gonna be awesome don't bother me but don't ask ike any questions he's tired i'm gonna be on vacation all right i don't, yeah. need, I don't need crap um, hey ike um so can you tell me about race and stuff <laughs> not right now kid seriously if any of you want to go to encounter you want to have like a big old talk about racism i and i will be so down let's meet at the lazy river and freaking get some mojitos and let's do this <laughs> that will that be our live catching foxes episode just a repeat yes, of this that, episode that's okay. yes it's just like all of us like in like the um in the lazy pool just like <laughs> going down talking pass around a mic trying to not get it well like <laughs> right, go for the box it. on his gut <laughs> <laughs> oh oh man that sounds like heaven to me in a, in a, in a, is it black bag is that is that a thing yeah. <laughs> but you know what we need to do is everyone that needs to go there needs to, needs to uh, uh, donate to your alcohol for your wedding fund. Uh, yes. <laughs> but seriously, yeah. uh, uh, to make this serious ad one last time, we actually have a promo. We don't have a promo code, but I think it's if you put Catching Foxes when you sign out in the discount code thing, you get like 10 bucks off or 20 bucks off your final price. So that's awesome, right? Catching Foxes, all one word. Absolutely. Yeah. But Catching Foxes, when you go and um, register for Encounter Houston, you get some dollars off. 
You're welcome, people. You're, you're welcome. welcome. You're, wel- you're going to learn about race. You're going to learn about Jesus. You're going to see what Ike <laughs> looks like without a shirt on, floating in a lazy pool. Good God, you don't want that. You're going to see what Luke looks like after a night of sharing a bed with me because I have this snore thing going on. She touched my leg. <laughs> okay, pets. kill him. <laughs> Our pets are falling off. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. All right. So what I think we shot should... you in the face. <laughs> I think uh, I think we, we said a to... lot. We said a lot, huh? We said so much. No, and now I have to. Said... I have five hours to edit this, and then I have to get on a plane to Oakland. Oh, what's in Oakland? Not much, but an RC... <laughs> <laughs> an RCIA uh, event that I'm leading for the, for all day Saturday. So Ooh. flying out oh, Friday night. Please say hi to Steve. Yep, Steve the missionary on Twitter. Steve the missionary. Good day, hey, Steve. Good dude. Thought- Ike, man, this is awesome. Thank you. Yeah. This is really, really Thanks. cool. Thanks for having me, guys. I seriously, um, I'll be very honest. I had never listened to your podcast until the first one. And now it's like a regular thing for me. I'm just like, <laughs> I'm so into it. I love the conversations. You guys are awesome. And thanks for having me back. I love I, it. I literally Let's thought see. you were going to say, I've never listened to the first one. And this is going to be the second one. <laughs> <laughs> this is it. What tends to happen. It's like, well, who does listen then? Yeah. No, no. Plenty of, clearly plenty of people listen, but I, I know I do. And I um, seriously, I really appreciate it. It's a breath of fresh air. So well, thanks awesome. for having me. Awesome. And let's plug thanks, uh, your stuff. So where can people find yeah, yeah. you? And then how can they donate to the, um, the pledge music thing? And I'll put all this in my show. Yeah. Notes. Yeah. If you, um, if you, if you go to um, Facebook, um, I can music. There's going to be links up there. If you go to I can there's literally a button in the top left corner that says, Hey, pledge, you know, go to, you know, pledge music. And it's through pledge music. Um, and, uh, you just go and you can donate 10 bucks or you can splurge and go further and, you know, get a t-shirt or a hat or, a, you know, coffee meetup, which is weird, but I put it on there anyway. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so yeah um help me make my new record it's gonna be very uncomfortable for uh, so many people but i'm still gonna do it so <laughs> is, it, is it nothing but black lives matter chance is that it, what? Is. it really is it's gonna be like old chance from the 60s just like chopped and screwed a little bit you know mm. so mm. um a lot of uh we shall overcome but like you know daft punk <laughs> daft punk and a little acoustic oh yeah yeah exactly Exactly. <laughs> no, I think it's. I'm. I'm excited about it. And I'm going to make the record regardless of whether you Cretans pledge. So, pledge. Go ahead and pledge. But I don't care. I don't give a damn. I'm going to do it anyway. <laughs> well, if you're going to do it anyway, then why would I pledge? You're really not good with but, the sales thing. <laughs> I'm terrible at it. Listen, just don't have me go into the debt doing this record, you dummies. No, I, shouldn't, I shouldn't call them dummies. That's you're not a dummy. Oh, you're damn. beautiful, baby. I love you. Yeah, Come you're back. You're beautiful. I love you. Come on back and donate to my pledge music and help me make this record. I love you. I love you. I, lo- mm. I love you so much. I'm <laughs> terrible at this guy. I'm really you bad at this. donate, you piece of shit. <laughs> <laughs> we call that the catching fox's bump. <laughs> you, you're literally going to lose I'm, money now that you've done that. Yeah, catching no, fox. I've got, I'm going to have people who <laughs> take their pledge right. back. On second. It was all about you. Then I heard that Catching Foxes episode, and I must say, good day to you, sir. Good day. I will say, the last Catching Foxes, there was a lot of people who were like, man, that was so great. And then there were a lot of people. And then then the silence, I think I I got a lot of weird looks. And I was like, why? Like, 
you know, like like my next big event. I'm like, why am I getting a lot of weird looks? Oh, catching fox. Ooh. Oh, <laughs> talking about. Oh crap. Okay. Yeah. Okay. I, I would. So, I. I. You know, in a weird way, I, I hope that's true because that means that we actually have a listener base, and it's not all in my head that that it affected you immediately. That's. I mean, sorry, but that's are, cool for people, me. <laughs> no, the people who are listening. The people who the people who pretend they're not listening, they're listening, or they're getting the information from other people, and they're like, "Did you hear what Ike said on Catching Foxes? Ugh, give him the cold shoulder next time you see him." <laughs> hey, oh, you think man. I give a damn? You think I give a damn? Hey, let me. You guys, you guys think I give a damn? Wait, nope. let me. Let's get. I'm looking for the dams that I give. Oh, can't find them. Oh man, because I don't give a damn. Tell oh, me man. what that's like. <laughs> <laughs> Luke Luke goes on the iTunes reviews, uh, not every day, but it, it used to be. And every time there was a remotely bad one, he's like, look at this. Look at this fucking idiot said. And just so angry. I get so mad. Hey, and I do, I, we need to end this, but I do want to say, I literally, when I was writing my parish retreat, I had no idea what to write about. And I was up so late. And so the morning of, I literally brought, I just listened to Memorial over and yeah. over again and then um was it, it's called rivers right the last album yeah, yeah, the, yeah, yeah and yeah. i literally just listened to that and i was praying in the holy spirit the whole time like give me words to say and it was dry bones your parish is becoming dry bo-. and i'm writing lyrics down and then i wrote out all of my talks based on your album oh man L- literally that's awesome dude I, I really love that when i saw that on twitter i was um that was really cool because um yeah that's what it's, i mean for me that's like seriously what it's all about so that's awesome that was really cool for me to hear yeah and, and then we all went know. down to the riverside and got baptized yes as in getting drunk you know what I'm saying? <laughs> <laughs> it was an easter vigil but i still got him baby <laughs> i got baptized you know it was funny real quick real yes. quick i had a and i've always been this way and i've been leaving easter eggs people like just tiny little easter eggs like ike he's not really what we think he is and it's you know now it's now I'm like having these conversations with people like I can't believe that as a Catholic you would not support Trump. He's gonna end abortion in this country. I'm like, mm, no, he's not. But you can keep thinking that. Also, in the meantime, he's literally destroying that office and he's dividing us. But whatever, whatever helps you sleep at night. I mean, anyway. he literally has pushed ambassadors and foreign leaders physically so he could get in front of them for a camera op. Like like the 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 photo op with um what's her name Merkel from Germany yeah yeah how embarrassing it's guys hideous. are we not embarrassed that I'm was one of my embarrassed that was one of my first issues with Trump when I was like oh wait this could be a thing I remember having a thought of he's not presidential at all no like at in the slightest and I don't want our the president of the United States of America tweeting random shit because he's moody. Right. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. And the funny thing is, is the, you know, journalists hammered him when it was like, Hey, um, you know, like how come you were so slow to tweet about Charlottesville? I was waiting for the facts. I just don't tweet or say things without facts. Unlike you people. And it's like, really bro that ain't true (laughs) that ain't true literally at all you don't 
you this is what you do. <laughs> you literally love Alex Jones. Like <laughs> as a person who tweets like like out of emotion and who just does it who like tweets without having um to think first at times I do that. Like that's what he I can like see it. Like that's what he's doing. Like yeah. I can identify not with like what he's saying or why he is, but the emotion behind them. Like I you know, I've been angry about people and sports and stuff and said horrible, horrible things. Like right. from our catching it. Fox's Twitter account. Damn straight. <laughs> Instead of your own personal one about stupid <laughs> soccer. Anywho, I'm not bitter. I'm not yep. bitter. Yep. Luke literally, Luke literally followed a soccer game, tweeting out expletives, and then goes, "Oh crap, that was supposed to be for my personal account." And it was from catching the whole soccer game. Hey, Have you seen a soccer game? Quinsman sucks. They That's don't what's going on there. <laughs> oh gosh. Hey, let me. Uh, this is off the show, but there's a quote that propaganda said that I really loved, and I think this analogy is really great. He said. It was like I was uh, – black people were never invited. It's not about being invited to the table. We were never allowed into the house. And he goes, and yes. then after all these years, we're finally – you know, it took a constitutional amendment to give us personhood. We're finally allowed, allowed into the house. And then white people are like, oh, okay, fine. You're here. Everything's fine now. And he's like – and then I look around the room and everyone's sitting down. So I go to sit in a chair and the guy in the house is like, whoa, whoa, whoa. You can't sit down. you got to stand up. And he's like – but everyone else is sitting down. No, you can't. You're not, I didn't tell you to sit down. But those guys over there are sitting down. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Don't get loud. Don't raise your voice. Yeah, and he yeah. said that. And it was like, this is where, you know, and then in, in, in Crooked, he has this line where he says, we've been protesting this for years. It's a shame you don't pay attention until a Molotov is thrown. Like, yep. until you see the anger that you can't escape. And mm -hmm. you're like, why is everyone so angry? And then you dismiss the anger because they're angry all the time. It's like. You would be, too, if you were nice about it for decades. Right. And people are literally carrying signs that, like, for the KKK. Like, that's not – that is an act of violence, you know? So Yes, um, absolutely. I just really yeah. like the way you phrased that. Anyhow. All right, that's all I got. Goodbye. Hey, big ups, <laughs> hey, big ups to Propaganda. He's been, like – this is he's like carried this whole show. <laughs> well, I mean, well, he's been doing it for years. It's this is yeah. not just like a marketing. I mean, I don't think anyone's really doing that, but yeah. I mean, he's really been for a long but time. It's so it's so like it led right up to this point. And oh, yeah, absolutely. And it's yep. so I mean, from precious Puritans and all these different things. I I mean, and Crooked is Crooked is the most angry album. You know, he has this line where um, he has a, a, a guest artist on a song i can't remember what it's called but he says i don't want reconciliation i want your gun take the privilege and power then i'll pass it to my son do i believe my enemies are too far from grace my idea of a safe space is just my idea of a safe space is to blow them all away and i was like whoa we are getting so angry here but damn yeah and that wasn't propaganda that was the guest guy that he had on that that yeah, album yeah, but yeah, he's yeah, got yeah. the the, yeah. the dude from copeland doing the song uh, i'm cynical so good so that's, good that song is great all right guys oh, yeah yeah, yeah. All right. I, i'm gonna yeah, hang out now hey, this is awesome thanks, man. thank you Look, this has been great gomer thanks so much seriously love you guys this has been awesome good um, deal thanks for being like just like so incredibly like open with us open vulnerable oh. and this oh, is my awesome. god 
Thank you. Yeah, you guys are like my safe space, so. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to hold you to that. It's, <laughs> it's, because, it's because I'm soft, isn't it? And fluffy. It's because I'm soft. It absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> like a lady. Hug your belly. That's all I want to do. <laughs> someone, my, someone asked my mom, "Why does your son like to go to prison? Like, what, like what drew him into the prison ministry?" And I overheard him, and I go, "I don't know. The guys really have like they really like me. They really like listening to what I have to say." And uh, I think I overheard one of the prisoners say, "Cause he's soft, like a lady." Like a lady. <laughs> <laughs> you soft like a lady. <laughs> like a lady. I gotta get uh, out of here. You guys are you guys you guys are homies, straight up. Luke, write that down. Write that down. Luke. <laughs> I, know. I was like, thank you. It's happening. 